Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Goshen Baptist Church. It's great to have you with us. If you're here in person or if you're watching online or listening through our Spotify, welcome. It's great to have you today. Let's open our service in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be gathered together here. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to be drawn closer to you. May your spirit be present amongst us today. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It's going to be one of those days. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> Call to worship this morning is a responsive reading of Psalm 89, verses 1 to 2, 5, and 6 to 9. You will read the part in yellow. Oh. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever. That you have established your faithfulness in the heavens above. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord. Your faithfulness too is the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves come up, you still. First hymn this morning is number 12 in your hymnal. Praise him, praise him. Please stand and sing.
I wanted to share a few announcements with you today, but I wanted to start off by saying that yesterday Fred and I had the opportunity to go out to First Baptist Woodstock and be part of our CBOQ board and associations meeting in the morning, and it was quite good. There was about 30 people that had come out besides the board members, and Fred got to meet some of my friends that are from all over the place, which was a, a good opportunity. There won't be a test, so don't worry, um, but thank you for coming. Yeah, and so as the moderator for our association, I had the opportunity to share with our group that was there, as did moderators from Elgin and also from Oxford Brant. And uh, Tim McCoy, our executive director, spoke to us as well and shared with us some of their um, hopes and some of their uh, encouragement for us as associations as well. We are continuing to study the Gospel of John, Sunday mornings at 9.15. If you'd like to join us, you're more than welcome. We have some good discussions as we take a look at a video clip, and then we discuss, we look into the Word and read through it and discuss some of what we find there. Thursday morning at 10 o'clock, we'll be resuming our end times study once again as we're looking at the revelation of what it means for us. And um, for those of you who aren't able to join us for our Bible study, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be starting a seven-week series on Revelation and what it means for us today. I haven't come up with a really great title yet. Um, it's still in process, but uh, just to know that um, we will be looking into Revelation as well. According to my birthday and anniversary list, I didn't have anyone down for this coming week. If I have missed somebody, then um, you can wave at me. If you're waving online, I'm not going to see it. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, if we have missed your anniversary or birthday, please let me know. As we come into this month of May and into June, we're going to be looking at raising some funds to send some kids to Camp Oneida. And our goal is to send a couple of kids. And so that's where our missions offerings will go. Uh, and just as a reminder, too, we want you to uh, be faithful in your giving to the church, and anything that we give to missions is over and above what we're normally giving. So we appreciate that. Because our tithes and our offerings are important for the life of the church, for us to be able to carry on and do the work that God has called us to do. As a reminder, it tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And if you want to give online, you can do so through our e-transfer email as well at goshenbaptistchurch9 at gmail.com. And thank you for your support as well. Let's thank the Lord for these tithes and offerings and these opportunities to give to our missions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for your blessing in our lives. Father, we thank you for the way that you care for us and provide for us. Father, help us to be faithful in giving to the work of building your kingdom, whether that is through our work here at Goshen or through the work that is done at Camp Oneida. Father, as we think of Camp Oneida, we pray that you would send the leaders that we need. Father, that you would send campers, that you would send us the lifeguards that we need as well for the summer that your name may be praised there and that people of all ages may come to know you. We lift up all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next hymn that we're going to sing together is His Name is Wonderful. It's a chorus. It's found at number 118. Please stand.
As we come to our time of praying for one another, I wanted to give you some updates. Um, I was out to see Lloyd Anderson this week for another visit, and um, he is still um, recovering. His strength is still not what he would like it to be, but he's able to get up and, and move around, and he does have care coming in. And um, He would certainly love to hear from any of you. If you want to give him a call, um, he would love to have a chat on the phone. And, uh, but it was really great to see him and Alma for a visit this week. Um, also, Bill Racher has been moved out to a Terrace Lodge in Aylmer for um, better care. And so uh, I was talking to Brian this week and also to Marguerite, and they were telling me that um, it's better food there than uh, they had at the hospital, so he's eating better. Uh, Brian was saying it looks more appealing, and so that's good. And, uh, and they have a lot more interaction for people than they're able to provide at a hospital. So. Um, this, is, this is good, and Marguerite seemed to, to be uh, relieved that he was there and getting care. Um, also, Wilson Doreen uh, has been having a lot of setbacks, unfortunately, and so uh, we're continuing to pray that um, he will be able to get the bone marrow scan that he needs to, to be done. Um, Beth, is there a, a date that's been reset for that? Do you remember? Not yet. Okay. So... Yeah, um, he was put, somebody was put in his room that unfortunately had COVID, and so then he got COVID, and yeah, that just delayed everything too. So it's, it's been a real nightmare for Joan and for Wilson, so please continue to keep them in your prayers. Um, and uh, Raymond as well. Uh, we're praying for Raymond. He has an operation that's coming up, or a uh, procedure that's this week, is it? Tuesday. Tuesday. Thank you. And so um, he's been having some pain, and so we want to make sure that uh, he is lifted up, and, uh, and Sonia as well as the rest of the family. Is there anybody else that uh, we have updates for, and somebody that we've been praying, or anybody else that we need to be praying for today? Aubrey. Aubrey. Mm. Yeah. Gosh. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and so uh, if you're not sure who these people are, that's uh, Serena's daughter and her granddaughter. And um, so, how old is Aubrey now? She'll be a year in June. Okay. All right. Yeah, and so she's got this cough that she can't seem to shake or some sort of cold. Or... Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. And, and, and Bailey is feeling under the weather, too. Yeah, yeah, that's tough as a mom. Mm hmm. Yeah, that makes it hard when mom can't get enough sleep. Yeah, and there's two little ones in that household, too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Okay, thank you. Um, anybody else? Is there any praise items that you would like to share with us today? Some of the good things that God is doing in your life. Your mom's 83rd birthday today. Awesome. Well, please uh, send our best wishes to her. That's awesome. For me, it was great to be able to connect with some people that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, I normally take part in a weekly pastor's prayer call that the CBOQ puts together. And uh, I got to meet in person some people that I've only ever seen on video as we meet through Zoom for that pastor's prayer call. And so that was cool. And some people that I've been working with from CBOQ as we've worked on some of the core documents as well. I got to see them face to face yesterday. So, uh, you know, me and people, I had a great time. I was quite happy. Uh, Assembly is going to be in person and I'm looking forward to it. And I, as I told them yesterday, I call it the Baptist schmooze because that's where I go and and hang out with people, and I sometimes attend the workshops that are put on. Uh, so it's good. <laughs> if I need bail money, I'm supposed to what? Sorry? Oh, I didn't need bail money. Oh, that, that's good, yes. Let's try and keep it that way, too. Um, excellent. So very good. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we thank you for the opportunity to be together in person, and uh, what a blessing it is to have friends and family that are uh, support to us, that we can worship together as your family of faith. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to 
Um, just see the changing colors, to see the new flowers of spring, all the green with the rain. Uh, Father, the beauty of this place that we live in. Father, we uh, thank you for uh, Joan's birthday, and we pray that uh, you would bless her today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity as well to have connected with some people yesterday and to have Fred as well come along. And Father, for the important work of the CBOQ, and we ask that you would bless the board and the staff and, and Father, our associations too. Father, we lift up Aubrey and Bailey at this time and Father, pray that you would just help them with their health concerns. Uh, Father, that Bailey would be able to, in particular, get the sleep that she needs, and that can be really tough on a mom. That you would help her to get healthy as well. Father, we continue to lift up to you um, all of these people that are so important to us. Father, we thank you that Bill is now in a place of better care, and pray that you would be with him and with Marguerite, with the family. Father, we lift up Raymond to you in the upcoming procedure on Tuesday that you would be with him, that you would calm his spirit, and Father, that this would be uh, successful and helpful for him. You would relieve the pain that he's been under. Father, we continue to lift up Wilson to you, and we pray that you would uh, just help him to get better, Father, that you would help the doctors and nurses to be able to get the bone marrow scan done that he needs to have done. and Father, that they could get some answers and that you would just restore his health. Be with Joan as she cares for him and as he had a sidelined in the middle of a lot of this. Father, would you bring her comfort and peace. Father, we thank you that uh, Lloyd is doing okay and we pray that you would continue to build up his strength again. Father, that you would care for him in Alma. Father, for all of these other friends of ours and family, we pray that you would bring a healing where it is needed and comfort. Father, that you would support them and strengthen them and that they would know your hand of blessing and healing. Father, we pray for our sister churches, but we lift up all the churches to you in the world today. We particularly think of those who are in places that are war-torn, such as the Ukraine, that are in places where it's illegal to worship you. Father, would you strengthen them? And Father, would you bless us today? And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next chorus that we're going to sing together is one that uh, you may well know. It's a Gaither classic, He Touched Me. It's number 505. Please stand.
Scripture passage this morning is Matthew 8, verses 18 to 34. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into town, and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Thank you, Scott. I know you're probably looking at the title of Dead in the Water and thinking, that's pretty morbid, Carl. Like, seriously. Yes, yes, the pigs were dead in the water, but the pigs are not really what we're going to focus on today. Um, there was actually, in my life, three close calls where I could have been literally dead in the water. Um, some of you have heard some of these stories before. The first was, as a child, I was in my next-door neighbor's uh, pool. They had an in-ground pool, and I had adult-sized flippers on, you know, the fins that you use to get around. And um, I was fine when I was in the deeper water, but I came into the shallower water, and my feet had got caught backwards with the fins, and so I was trying to get up, but I couldn't, and I was stuck, and I was trying to lift my head above water, and it just wasn't working so well, and I was running out of air, and that's when my neighbor Cheryl's father, Vic, he jumped in, cigarette and everything, and just reached in, grabbed in, hauled me out of the water, spluttering and, and spitting water out and everything like that. And Yeah, if he hadn't been paying attention, maybe I would have been dead in the water. My second close call was uh, Camp Quasin. We had this outing where we would go to a place where there was this cool waterfall and you could walk behind it and the water would come down over it. And I thought it would be a really neat idea to let the water sort of splash over my head. So I put my head forward into it and was caught by this torrent of water coming down over the waterfall. And it stuck my head there. And of course, the water kind of wraps around your face and you're trying to breathe in and there's only water. It doesn't work so well. And so my friend grabbed me and hauled me backwards and saved me from again being dead in the water. You'd think I'd learn. <laughs> so at the cottage we had a motorboat that was my dad's boat it was a nice aluminum fishing boat maybe about a 12 14 foot boat and when we would go fishing normally we would do it in the evening and so um, not far from the bay where our cottage was was a little island and on the back side of that um, sometimes you could catch some bass there and we would usually go bass fishing and I was out for the evening by myself, and I'd had some problems with the boat, but I mean, I kind of figured it out. And um, I decided to pack it in as normal for me. I caught nothing. And so I uh, packed it all in, all my fishing gear, and started up the boat, 
and then head, started to head back to the cottage. And as I was heading back to the cottage, I can still remember the night. It was, it was a little bit cloudy, but almost a perfect night. Some stars were out. Um, the, the moon was out, so there was a little bit of light on the water. And I'm just kind of enjoying the moment of driving back to the cottage, and suddenly I find myself flying forward to the front of the boat as it stopped suddenly in the water. The motor was still going, but the boat just stopped moving forward. And I had collapsed forward into the boat, and as I did, I realized I never took in the anchor. <laughs> and it caught on something and stopped me dead in the water. Of course, dead in the water is an expression, isn't it? It's about not moving anywhere. You know, when they say somebody is dead in the water, they don't necessarily mean that they're floating there. They just mean that they, you're stuck, right? You're not moving anywhere. Have you ever been dead in the water like that? I mean, if it's a motorboat, there can be a few problems that can leave you dead in the water, right? Maybe you forgot to fill the tanks before going out, and you just run out of gas, and suddenly you're dead in the water, right? Uh, maybe issues with the engine or spark plugs or the oil's not right. You can have problems like that and be dead in the water. Um, canoeing. I went out once in the, cot the cottage canoeing, and you know that if you go with the wind, canoeing's lovely. If you're trying to go against a gale force wind when you're canoeing, it is horrible. And I was almost dead in the water. I was exhausted when I got back. I managed to actually move forward. But for a while, I thought I was stuck. Have any of you been sailing at all, ever? A few? Okay. Sailing is fun. Sailing is great when somebody else is sailing the boat. I hate sailing a boat myself. When we were kids at the cottage, my uncle had built this thing called a surf sail, and it was a flat kind of board. It had a spot for your dagger board, and then you attached the rudder at the back, but it was basically flat, and it had a sail on it. And my older brother was fantastic with it. He would go out, sail all over our little bay, do a great job. And of course, he was the older brother. I had to try and emulate him. I take out the surf sail, and I got stuck. I could not catch the wind for love nor money. I was dead in the water. See, the challenges with sailing are you have to do something called tacking, so you have to go back and forth, getting the wind in your sail. Uh, there's something called coming about as well, which is when you turn the boat, and then you've got to watch something that slides across. Fred, do you remember what the, that piece of wood is at the bottom of the sail is? It's called the boom. You know, when they talk about lowering the boom, that expression, it's a sailing term where they drop that boom. The one thing you do not want to have is have that boom boom you in the head, right? Otherwise, you might be dead in the water when you're coming about. You have to move. Um, something else that happens sometimes, like it happened to me, is something called jibing. And that's when the wind is not going where you need it to, and you cannot go anywhere with the sail. The keys to sailing are having wind in your sails, a skilled captain, and having responsive trust in that captain. When the captain says to you, we're coming about, you better get moving from one side to the other, otherwise your weight might be lopsided and you fall off, or you get wiped out by the boom, and that's no good. You have to move when they tell you to move. When I went out with my dad or my uncle in my uncle's sailboat, which was a bigger boat, it was delightful. We would hike out. And if you don't know what hiking out is, it's when the person's got the wind just right, and you hook your toes in the middle on this rope, and then you just lean as the wind is pulling against the sail, and you're just going, and it's a fantastic sensation. Love it. Well, in today's scripture reading that Scott read for us, we had four encounters, didn't we? We had this scribe, this teacher of the law. We had one disciple, then we had a group of disciples, and then finally we had these demon-possessed men. Well, the teacher of the law, this scribe, his job would be to write down the scriptures. And he would be well-known for and well-respected for his work that he did in writing scriptures, copying manuscripts, and then teaching that to others, helping them understand what the scriptures said in their day. That would be our Old Testament. And he came to Jesus, and he said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. 
And as a scribe, he might think, you know, here's this rabbi, this teacher, somebody with respect, somebody that if I go with them, I will also have respect. That's what he was after. You know, he was very respectful. He called him teacher. He, he honored who Jesus was. And he said the right kind of words. He said, I will follow you, which is what Jesus wanted. Uh, disciples were followers. They would go with that teacher wherever they went. And yet when Jesus responded to him, he responded to him with the words that he knew were the source of this person's difficulties, the challenges. He said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You think you're going to get respect and prominence and a place? Not so much with me. And it left that, that scribe dead in the water because he really wanted a place of prominence. In our second, second account, we have this, this young man who, who comes to Jesus. And he says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. It seems like it's a normal and respectful and reasonable request. But what was really going on with this person who was willing to follow Jesus but not quite yet? He said, first let me go and bury my father. What's the problem with that? Well, I mean, if, if his father had just died, I'm pretty sure that Jesus would have said, sure. But there's a couple of other things that may have been going on. First of all, his father might have been quite healthy. And what he's saying is, I will follow you after my dad has passed on. First, let me go and bury my father. First, let me wait. Or maybe his dad was older, but still not anywhere near the grave. There's another possibility that some scholars feel, and that in the Jewish culture, when somebody passed away, they would take the body and they would put them in a tomb for a while, for about a year. And then at about a year, they would go back in and they would gather the bones and they would put them in an ossuary, a box, and that would be buried. Maybe that's what he was asking to do. He seems very respectful. He says, Lord, sort of an elevation above teacher, this respectful term. And he says, first, let me go. But Jesus, again, he sees through to the heart of this person. And he says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. It seems like a kind of harsh words from Jesus. But what he's getting at is that I want you to follow me now. And this man was not ready to do it, and he was left dead in the water. You see, he wanted a plodding pace. He wanted to go at his own pace instead of Jesus' pace. And so he was left dead in the water. Interestingly, we have these first two people that it's implied they did not end up following Jesus, but Matthew points out that the disciples followed Jesus. Jesus got into the boat. The disciples followed him. Good for you, disciples. That's a step up from the last two. And then they go out, and this storm comes up. Terrible storm. The Sea of Galilee, like Lake Erie, was known for having storms that would just come out of nowhere, and they would be terrible storms. And in the middle of this, Jesus must have been really tired, right? Jesus was sleeping in the boat. And they said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They wake him up. What would it be like to be in that storm? Having come out of nowhere at night. Maybe you can't even see what's going on other than you can just feel that the waves are splashing into the boat. And you think, this is it. Things are out of control. We're going to drown. They are respectful. They speak to Jesus, and they use the term Lord. And they express their concern, which seems like a very reasonable concern. We're going to drown. Don't you care? Can't you do something? Maybe sleeping isn't the best option right now for us. And Jesus, again, speaks to their heart. You of little faith, 
Why are you so afraid? Then Jesus went back to bed. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> but spiritually, they were dead in the water, even the disciples at that point, because they wanted a peaceful plan. And here was all this chaos going on around them. Our fourth account, we have this story. Uh, they're going through the Gadarenes, this, this area that was a Gentile area. And they come to a spot where there's a bunch of tombs and there's two demon-possessed men. And they were so violent that no one could pass their way. If we look at this story in other gospel accounts, it said they would even break their chains. There were none that could hold them. And the demons speak through these men. These men are so out of control of themselves. The demons speak and they say, what do you want with us, son of God? And they also requested, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. Why were they demon-possessed? Why were they living amongst the tombs in the first place? It's funny, the demons recognize him with the most appropriate and most accurate title. They call him Son of God, which is exactly what he is. They know who he is. They said, have you come to torture us before the appointed time? We look at Revelation. It says their destination is to be tortured in the lake of fire. Have you come to do that? But they said, if you drive us out, knowing full well that Jesus has the power to do it, and they only can request And Jesus says to them, go. And yes, as you figured out, the pigs are dead in the water. Probably about 2,000 of them. A massive herd of pigs. Suddenly done. These men wanted personal power. Why were they demon-possessed? Maybe, why were they amongst the tombs? Maybe because they had sought demonic power in the first place. And were controlled by it. And so they were spiritually dead in the water. They were powerless. And we hear about all of these pigs being killed. And we say, this is a tragedy. And yeah, it is a tragedy. It's a tragedy because the herdsmen went off and reported this in the town. And the whole town came out to meet Jesus. And maybe at that point we might be thinking, wow, they're going to say, look at the amazing thing that Jesus has done. He rescued these men. But that's not what happened. They pleaded with him to leave. You see, the people in that town were also dead in the water. Because what they really wanted was a privileged position. They didn't really care about the men whose lives were completely out of control because they were out of the way. And these people were spiritually dead in the water. This is a tragedy. So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us today? That Jesus changes our expectations. You know, the scribe that came to Jesus, this teacher in the law, he was all about getting in with the rabbi so that he could have this respect. But Jesus did not prioritize pleasantries. Where am I going to live? Where am I going to sleep tonight? Who knows? And that wasn't good enough for this teacher of the law. Jesus didn't care about these comforts. And yet that's what that scribe wanted. Is that what we put first? Do we want to follow Jesus as long as it's comfortable? As one person talked about a nice, comfortable, padded cross, when Jesus calls us to pick up our cross and follow him, we don't want to pick the rough one that has you know, maybe splinters and, and nail holes in it. We're going, to, we're going to go with the nicest leather model, right? With cushioning, comfort. Jesus did not prioritize such pleasantries. And what about this young man, this individual disciple, who made these excuses that I will follow you, but, but hang on. I've got this to do first. Well, Jesus did not make exemption for excuses either. Oh, well, Jesus, you know what? I, I, 
I'll follow you, but, but I got to do this first, or, or I'll follow you under these sets of circumstances, or, you know, if you do this, then I'll follow you. Jesus says, follow me today, now. No excuses. And what about the storm? I think the storm seems pretty reasonable. If I was a disciple, I have to say that the words coming out of my mouth might have sounded exactly the same as those disciples. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Lord, save us. It seems really reasonable. Because they knew that Jesus could perform miracles. But I don't know if they knew who Jesus really was. Not only can he stop these things, not only can he change these things, but he is in control of everything. Notice that Jesus did not just stop the storm. The water was calm, flat. I like the one account because it tells us that Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the waves. <laughs> I always wonder if that's because they woke him up in the middle of a nap. Yeah. I get a little grumpy when I wake up in the middle of a nap nap too. And when I'm grumpy, oh, ask the cats. Things go still. What about this, this other scenario, these demon-possessed men? And they were rejected by the townspeople. They were afraid of these men. And they just kind of wrote them off. What do we learn from Jesus? It's different in our expectations. Well, we think about 2,000 pigs how long it would take to raise those and have them and, and, and what they would mean for the profit of the people and the loss of all of that. But what we learn is that Jesus did not put pigs over people. He has a different set of expectations. Jesus changes our source of security. We put our sense of security in having a place and prominence. We put our security... In, in being able to have the things in the kind of order and the pace that we want. We put our sense of security in finding power for ourselves or maybe making ourselves better than others. And I think maybe in the minds of all of these people, they ask the same question as the disciples, what kind of man is this? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. What have been your expectations of Jesus? I mentioned about sailing, right? If you haven't done it, you get an opportunity. Go out with somebody who knows what they're doing, not like me being your pilot or captain, and have a wonderful time. It's amazing. And the keys to smooth sailing are having the wind in your sails, having a skilled captain, and then having that responsive trust. When they say move, you better move. If they tell you to do this, you better do that. And do it right away. And sometimes when it comes to Jesus, we want Jesus to do the things that are for ourselves. We want the prominence. We want to set the pace. We want it to be according to our plan. We want the power. And we want the position. But the reality is that putting ourselves first will leave us all dead in the water. So instead, this is Jesus' expectation. This is what he wants from us, is that we would give him the prominence. We would let him set the pace for us. That we would have faith and trust in his plan. And do you think that storm surprised Jesus? Nope, that's why he could sleep in the middle of it. The power is his in us, not our own, in that he deserves the position. Ironically, the keys to smooth sailing in a life of a Christian are the same. You need wind in your sails, and that wind is the Holy Spirit that will carry us and guide us along. We need a skilled captain, and the skilled captain is Jesus Christ, who knows how to do it, knows what lays ahead, and then we need responsive trust in him. And when he says move, or when he says do it, that we move and we do it. And he will lead us. Let's pray.
Jesus, we confess that sometimes, although we love you, it's still about us. We really want the glory and the power. We really want the privilege and the position. Help us to give all that up. Help us to give it up to you who really deserves it. You know, the smooth sailing will not mean that necessarily everything goes smoothly in our minds. But you will give us your peace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're now going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together and remember the Lord's giving of himself to us. And as we do so, we're going to sing the first two verses of Redeemed, number 356. Please stand. Thank you. Please be seated. As we come to this time of remembrance together, this is something that we do on the first Sunday of every month, and we do it not just because it's tradition or out of habit, but we do it because Jesus invited us to. That he invited us to remember his sacrifice. And so we remember this as people of this community of Goshen Baptist Church. But if you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to partake with us today as well. And so we remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was gathered together with his closest disciples in an upper room. And we were talking about this during our Sunday school time together today. How Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his friends. And the Passover was a time of remembrance of when Israel was redeemed, was rescued by God from a life of slavery, from the power of the Egyptians. And every year the Jewish people would gather for Passover as they remembered how the angel of death had passed over all of their homes that had the blood of the lamb on their doorposts to protect them. And Jesus came to bring it new meaning. Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, is what John the Baptist called him. And it was his blood that was shed for us. His blood that protects us. We don't do this to remember freedom and redemption from Egypt, but we do it to recognize that Jesus gave us freedom and redemption from sin and the power of sin. That when Jesus died on the cross, death no longer has any power over us. And so that night, gathered with his closest disciples, he said, I have eagerly desired to share this meal with you together. And he gave it new meaning. The scriptures tell us that he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it saying, this is my body, 
given for you. If you're at home and you're watching today, we would encourage you, if you're with others, to serve them the bread and say, this is the body of Christ. If you're at home alone, that you would take a piece for yourself. And remember the body of Christ. Let us now remember the body of Christ together as we are led in prayer. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we draw close to you, conscious of, our, of thy love for us. As we eat this bread, a symbol of Jesus' broken body, we are grateful to Jesus for his sacrifice on our behalf. Help us to love and serve you till your kingdom comes. In Jesus' name, amen. body of Jesus Christ has been given for you and for me. Take and eat in remembrance of him. The Passover meal, there are many elements. There are many things that they eat and there are four cups that they drink from. And that is why the scriptures tell us specifically that after supper, took the cup, which was the cup of redemption. And he said, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood. For it is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. And if you're at home today with a group, we would ask that you would serve one another and as you do so, to say the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're by yourself, we would encourage you to just hold the cup in remembrance. Sometimes I, I look into the cup and reflect on the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's now remember in prayer the blood of Jesus shed for us. blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for each one of us. Let us drink in remembrance of him. The scriptures tell us that they sang a hymn and then went out from there. And so we're going to stand and sing the final two verses of our communion hymn. Please stand. Have you been dead in the water? Are you kind of stuck? Is it because of your expectations of what Jesus was going to do for you? 
Let us put Jesus in the place where he belongs. Let us allow him to be the captain of our vessel, of our lives, that we may have the smooth sailing and the peace that he offers to each one of us. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.